BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Hound of the Baskervilles by A. Colin Doyle Chapter 7 The Stapletons of Mare Pit House The fresh beauty of the following morning did something to efface your mind, our minds, the grim and grey impression which had been left upon both of us by our first experience of Baskerville Hall as Sir Henry and I sat at breakfast, sunlight flooded in through the high Mulled windows, throwing watery patches of colour from the coats of arms which co- covered them. Dark panning glowed like bronze in the golden rays. It was hard to realise that this was indeed a chamber which was not the house as we have to blame, said the baronet. We were tired from our journey, chilled by our drive, so we took a grey view of the place. Now we are fresh and well. It's so it is all cheerful once more. And yet it was not entirely a question of imagination, I answered. Did you, for example, happen to hear someone, a woman, I think, sobbing in the night? That is curious, for I did, when I was half asleep, fancy, that I heard something of the sort. I waited quite a time, there was no more of it, so I concluded it was all a dream. But it's distinctly, I was sure that it was really the sob of a woman. You must ask about this right away. He rang the bell, asked Barrymore whether he could account for our experience. It seemed to me that the pallid features of the butler turned a pale, say paler. Still, we listened to his master's question. There are only two women in the house, Sir Henry, he answered. One is the scullery maid who sleeps in the other wing. There is my wife. I answer for it. And the sound could not have come for her. Yet as he lied, as we as he said it, for it chanced that after breakfast, I met Miss Barrymore in a long corridor, with the sun full upon her face. She was a large, impassive, heavy-featured woman, with certain set expression of the mouth. Her telltale eyes were red, glanced at me from between swollen lips. It was she, then, who wept in the night, and she had did so, her husband must know it. Yet... He had taken the obvious risk of discovery 
declaring that it was not so. Why did he had done why had he done this? Or why she wept so bitterly? Already round this pale faced handsome bearded man was gathering an atmosphere of mystery and gloom. It was he who had been the first to discover the body of Sir Charles. We had only his word for all the circumstances which led to the old man's death. Was it possible that Barrymore, after all, whom we had seen in the cab of Regent Street, the beard might well have been the same cabman had described as somewhat shorter man, that such an expression might easily have been erroneous. How could I settle the point forever? Obviously the first thing to do was see the Grimton postmaster, find whether the test telegram had really been placed in Barrymore's own hands. Be the, answer, be the answer what it might, I should at least have something to report to Sherlock Holmes. So Henry Newman's papers examined after breakfast, so that time was purposely for my excursion. It was a pleasant walk of four miles along the edge of the moor, leading me at last to the small grey hamlet with two larger buildings which proved to be the inn and the house of Dr. Mortimer. Stood high above the rest. Postmaster was also in the village, grocer, and there was a clear collection of telegrams. Certainly, sir, said he. I had the telegram. Delivered to Mr. Barrymore, exactly as directed. Who delivered it? My boy, dear James, you delivered that telegram to Mr. Barrymore at the, at the all last week, did you not? Yes, father, I delivered it. Into his own hands, I own hands, I asked. Well, he was up in the loft at the time, so that I could not put it in his own hands, but I gave it to Mrs. Barrymore's hands, and she promised to live it at once. Did you see Mr. Barrymore? No, sir, I tell you, he was in the loft. You didn't see him. How do you know he was in the loft? Well, surely his old wife ought to know where he is, the postmaster retentively. Didn't he get the telegram? Is there any mistake? It's not for Mr. Barrymore himself to complain. It seemed hopeless to pursue the inquiry any further, but it appeared that in spite of Holmes' ruse, we had no proof that Barrymore had not been to London all the time. Suppose it were so. Suppose that the same man had been the last, seeing Sir Charles alive, first at the dog, the new heir when he returned to England. What then? Was he the agent of others, or had he some sense of a design of his own? What interest could he have in pursuing... Persecuting the Devesville family. I thought a strange warning clipped out on the leading article of the Times. Was that his work? Was it possibly the doing of someone who was bent upon counteracting his schemes? Only conceivable motive was that which had been suggested by St. Henry. If the family could be scared away, comfortable and permanent home was secured for the Barrymores. But such an explanation as that would be quite inadequate to account for the deep and subtle scheming which seemed to be weaving a visible net round the young baronet. Holmes himself had said no more complex case had come to him in all the long series of his sensational investigations of prey. They walked along the grey, lonely road, and my friends might soon be freed from his personal creations, able to come down to take this heavy burden of responsibility from my shoulders. So many thoughts were interrupted by a sound of running feet behind me, by a voice which called me by my name. I turned expecting to see Dr. Mortimer, but I was surprised as a stranger 
who is pursuing me. Your small, slim, clean-shaven, prim-faced man, flaxen hair, lean-jawed, between thirty and forty, years of age, dressed in a grey suit and wearing a straw hat, tin box of identical specimens, hanging over his shoulder, carried a green butterfly net in one of his hands. You will, are you quite sure? Sure. Soon, excuse my presumption, Dr. Watson, said he, as he came panting up to where I stood. You and the mall, we all know you folk. You don't wait for formal instructions. Instructions? You possibly have heard my name. With your mutual friend, Mortimer, I even stayed with them. A mayor picked the house. Your net and box would have told me as much, said I. Well, I knew that Mr. Stapler was a naturalist. But how did you know me? Well, you've been calling me Mortimer. He pointed you out to me for the window. He surgery as you pass. As you rode, lay the same way as I thought that. I would overtake you and induce myself. I trust that Sir Henry has done the worst for his journey. He's very well, thank you. We are all rather afraid that after the sad death of Sir Aunt Charles, you baronet might refuse to live here. He's not asking much and a wealthy man. Come down and bury himself in a place of this kind. I need not tell you that it means a great deal to the countryside, Sir Henry. Has, I suppose, no suspicious fears in that ma- in the matter? Don't think that is likely. Of course you know the legend of Frayne Dog, which hunts, haunts the family. I have heard it. Extraordinary old critters, the presents are about here. Any number of them are ready to swear that they have seen such a creature upon the moor. He spoke with a smile, but I seemed to read in his eyes each took the matter more seriously. The story took a great mould upon the imagination of Sir Charles. I have no doubt it led to his tragic end. But how? You know it is so worked up. The appearance of any dog might have had a fatal effect by his diseased heart. I fancy he really did see something of the kind upon the last night that you met Ali. I feared that some disaster might occur, but I was very fond of the old man. I knew that his heart was weak. How did you know that? My friend Mortimer told me. You think then the same dog pursued Sir Charles? He died of fright and consequence. Have you of any better gross explanation? I have not come to any conclusions. As Mr. Sherlock Holmes, words took away my breath for an instant. But a glance of placid face and steadiest eyes of my, compa- of my companion showed that not, not, no surprise was intended. It's useless for, uh, useless for us to pretend we do not know you, Dr. Watson, said he. Because your detective have reached us here. You could not celebrate him about being known yourself. When Norton told me your name, he couldn't deny your identity. If you are here, he finds that Mr. Sherlock Holmes is interesting, interesting yourself in the matter. I am naturally curious to know what view he may take. I'm afraid I cannot answer that question. Why well, else is he going to honour us with a visit himself? I don't leave, he cannot leave town at present. He has another case which engages his attention. What a pity he might throw some light on them which is so dark for us. As you own your own researches, if there is any possible way in which I can do be a service you will trust you will command me. If I have any indication of the nature of your suspicions or how you propose to investigate case, I might perhaps even now give you some of your advice. I assure you that I am simply here upon a visit to my friend Sir Henry. I have no need to help of any of no need to help any kind. Excellent, said Stapler. You are probably right to be wary and discreet. 
I unjustly reproved for what I feel was unjustifiable intrusion. I promise you that I will not mention the matter again. Came to a point where a narrow grassy path struck off the road and round round the across the moor. The steep boulder sprinkled hill lay upon the right, which had by bygone days been cut in the granite quarry. The face which turned towards us formed a dark cliff with ferns and brambles, brambles growing in its niches. From a distant rise was floated there floated a grey plume of smoke. A moderate walk along the most moor path brings us up to Merripit House, said he. Perhaps you will spare an hour and we uh, have the pleasure of introducing you to my sister. I thought as I should be by Sir Henry's side. I then remembered a pile of papers and bills which his study table was littered. It certain I could not help the those. Holmes expressly said, I must study the neighbours upon the moor. I set the staples of invitation. We turned together down the path. It's a wonderful place, the moor, said he, looking round over the undreading downs, long green rollers, with crests and dragged granite, following up the fantastic surges. You never tire the moor, cannot think of the wonderful secrets which contains so vast and barren, so materials. Now it well, then. Only been here two years. Residents have called me a newcomer. We came shortly after the Charles settled, but my taste let us explore every part of the country. Round I should think of a few men who know it better than I do. It's hard to know. Very hard, you see, for example, this great plain of North Era, the queer hills speak breaking out of it. Do you observe anything remarkable about that? It would be a nice rare place for Gallup. You would actually think so. A thought that will, has cost several their lives before now. You notice the green, bright green spots scattered thickly over it? Yes, they seem more fault than the rest. Stephen laughed. That is the great Grimton Wire, said he. A full step. Yonder means death. A man, a beast. Oh, yesterday you saw one of the more ponies wander into it. Never came out. I saw his head for quite a long time craning out of the boggle. It sucked him down at first. Even in dry seasons, it's a danger to cross it. But after all of those autumn rains, these autumn rains, it's an awful place. Yet I find my way to the heart, very heart of it, and remain eternalized by George. It fell another of those miserable ponies. St. Brown was rolling and tossing among green sledges. Then a long and his raving neck shot upward. A dreadful cry echoed over the moor, turned me cold with horror. My companion's nerves seemed to be stronger than mine. He's gone, he said. The moor was him. Two in two days and many more rats, and they get in their way for going. For what? Perhaps they might get in their way for going where? In a dry river, never know the difference till the mire was there. In their clutches, a very bad place to greet. Slim to moor and they are you see, you can penetrate? Yes, there are only two, one or two paths which a very active man can take. I well, found them out. And why should you wish to go onto such a horrible place? Well, you see the hills beyond. There are really islands cut off on the other all sides of the parcel up there, which called around them in the course of years. There's where the rare plants of butterflies are. You have a wit to reach them. I must try my luck some day. He looked at me with a surprised face. Oh, God's sake, put such an idea out of your mind, said he. 
Your blood will be head upon my head, for I assure you there will be not the least chance of you coming back alive. Only by remembering certain complex landscapes. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do it. Hallelujah cried. What is that? A long, low moan in scribal sad wept. Oh, the more it filled the whole air, yet it was impossible to say whence it came from a dull murmur. It swelled into deep roar and then sunk back, melancholy, throbbing, murmur once more again. Saban looked to me, a curious expression on his face. Queer of lace, Amora, said he. And what is it? The peasants say it's an elm of basilisk calling for its prey. I heard it once or twice before, but never quite so loud. I looked round with chill of fear in my heart. A huge swelling plain, mottled with green patches of rushes. Nothing stirred of the vast expanse, save a pair of ravens, which croaked loudly, a tour behind us, a tour behind us. You're an educated man, you don't believe such nonsense as that, said I. You don't, you're an educated man, you don't believe such nonsense as that, said I. What do you think is the cause of so strange a sound? Bogs quite make some curious noises sometimes, it's a mud settling, a wild arising, or something. No, no, that was a living voice. Oh, perhaps it was. Did you ever hear a boom, Britain booming? No, I never did. Very rare bird, practically instinct, in England now. All things are possible upon the moor. Yes, I should not be surprised to learn what we have heard is the cry of the last of the Britons. It's the weirdest strange thing I've ever heard in my life. It's a rather uncanny place altogether. Look at the hillside yonder. What do you make of those? Whole steep slopes covered grey sand rings, stone, a score of them at least. What are they, sheep pens? No. Their homes are worthy ancestors. Prehistoric men lived thickly on the moor, and no one in particular was there lived ever since. You find all these little arrangements exactly as he left them. Aired his wigwams with the roofs off. Even sees Eve and the couch, if you have courtesy to go inside. It's quite a town, but it was inhabited. Never effort man, no date. What did he do? He grazed his cat on his slopes. He learned to dig in for tin. The brown, brown sword began to succeed the stone axe. Look at the great trench on the opposite hill. As he marked, yes, he was finding some very singular points about the all, Dr. Watson. Excuse me an instant. Surely, Psychopodides. Small fly and mouth. Muff and flooded across my our path. Instant Saberton was rushing, drawing energy and sped in pursuit of it. The dismayed creature flew straight for the fire mile. Maya, my acquaintance never paused an instant, bounding from tuft to tuft, hunt it, his green net waving in the air, his grey clothes jerking. Nigzag, irregular progress, made him not unlike some huge moth himself. 
understanding what to pursuit with a richer moderation with extraordinary activity and fear lest he should lose his footing in treacherous mire i heard a sound of steps turning round found a woman near me upon the path she came from the direction which a plume smoke indicated the position where a pit house but the dip the more it hit her for she was quite close i could not doubt this was miss stapleton from whom i had been told since ladies they sought must be few upon the moor i remembered i had heard some one describe her as being a beauty a woman who approached me was certainly that of a most uncommon type there could not have been a greater contrast between brother and sister the statement was a naturally tinted and light eyed him bright eyes while she was darker than a brunette whom i had seen in england slim elegant and tall with a proud finely cut face so redder it might have been seen in passage were it not for a sensitive mouth and a beautiful dark eager eyes a perfect figure and an elegant dress she was indeed a strange apparition upon a lonely moorland path her eyes were on her brother as i turned she quickened her pace towards me i raised my hat and about to make some extraordinary remark extraordinary remark when her own words turned all my thoughts to the new channel go back she said go straight back to london instantly Lonely stare at her in stupid surprise my eyes blazed at me she tapped the ground impatiently with her foot why should i go back i asked i cannot explain she spoke a low eager voice a crisp lisp in her utterance but for good sake do what i wish ask you go back back bats and never set foot upon this moor again but i have only just come man man she cried can you not tell when a warning is for your own good go back to london go start straight start tonight get away from this place at all costs hush my brother's coming not a word of what i have said mind you would you mind getting that awkward for me among the mare's tails yonder you're rich with no orchids and more though of course you're rather late to see the beauties of the place stephen abandoned chase and came back was breathing hard and flushed with his exertions hello lola beryl said he it seemed to me that the tone of his greeting was not altogether cordial one well jack you are not you are very odd yes i was chasing cerebrides he's very rare and seldom found them with eight autumn what a pity i should have missed him spoken concernedly his small light eyes glanced incessantly from girl to me have you introduced yourselves i can see yes i was telling sir henry i was rather late for him to see the true booties of the moor why who do you think this is i believe that is it must be sir henry basfield no no said i only a humble commoner but he's a friend my name is dr watson a flush of vexation passed over an expressive face we have been talking across purposes said she why are you not very much why you do not much much very talk much time for talk above remarks with the same questioning eyes i talk as if dr what were a resident said merely and visitor said she cannot much matter to him whether it's early or late the orchids but you will come or you're not to see mary pitt house short walk brought us to it a bleak moorland house once a farmersome glazier in the old populous days but now 
into it repair and turned a modern dwelling. An orchard surrounded it. But the trees, as is usual, upon the moor were stunted and nipped, and the effect of the whole place was mean and melancholy. Admitted to by a strange, wizened, rusted coated old servant who seemed to be in keeping with the house. Inside, however, there was a large room furnished with elegance which seemed to recognize the taste of the lady as they looked from their windows. Interminable granite flecked moor, rolling unbroken to the furthest horizon. I could not marvel at what could have brought this worthy, educated man, this pretty woman, to live in such a place. Queer spot to choose, is it not? said he as if in answer to my fault. And yet we manage to make ourselves happy, quite fairly happy. Do we not, Beryl? Quite happy, said she, but no ring of conviction in her words. Oh, yeah, it's cool, said, said Timberman. It was in the North Country, a work of a man of my temperament, was mechanical and interesting, but privy to living with youth, of having to, of helping and moulding young minds and pressing them, one's own character and ideals very dear to me and the fates of, against us a serious epidemic broke out at school three of the boys died never recovered from that blow much to my capital with were ever at least swallowed up and yet but not for my loss of charming companionship with the boys i rejoice over my own misfortune for with my strong taste of book for the botany and zoology find a limited field of work here the sister is devoted nature as i am all this dr watson been brought upon our ha- your head by your expression. She has surveyed them all out by our, your our window. It certainly not did cross my mind. It might be a little dull, less for you perhaps than for your sister. No, no, I am always, I am never dull. She said quickly. We books of our studies. We have interesting neighbours. Doctor Mortimer is most learned man in his own line. Poor Sir Charles is also an admirable companion. We knew him well and miss him more. I can tell. You think I should intrude if we were to call this afternoon, make the acquaintance of Henry? I'm sure he would be delighted. Perhaps you may would mention I propose to do so. It may be may in our humble way there's something to make things make more easy for him till he becomes accustomed to his new surroundings. You come upstairs, Dr. Watson, expect my collection limb by Dupre. I think the most complete one is south west of England. By the time you have looked through them, lunch will be almost ready. As eager to get back to, to my charge with melancholy, the more the deaf and the unfortunate pony, where his sound which had been associated, bring legend verses, all these things tinged my faults with sadness. Then on top of these more, or le- less vague impressions, there had come the indefinite and distinct warnings of Miss Stapleton, delivered with such intense eagerness, Ernestus, I could not doubt that some grave and deep reason made it lay behind it. I resisted all pressure to stay for lunch. I set off at once upon my return journey, taking the grass-grown path of which we had come. Seeing each other, there must have been some sort of shortcut for those who knew it. 
But before I reached the road, I was astonished to see Miss Stapleton sitting upon a rock by the side of a crack, face was brutally flushed with exertions. She held her hand to one side. I run all the way in order to cut you off, Dr. Watson, said she. I had not even time to put on my hat. But I must not stop. Or my brother may miss me. I wanted to say to you how sorry I am. But it's that surprise mistake. I mean, in thinking you were Sir Henry. Perhaps forgot the words. Those words I said, which was no replication. Whatever, whatever to you. But I don't, I don't, I can't forget the mistake, then, said I. I'm Sir Henry's friend. Welfare is a very close concern of mine. Tell me why it was you were so eager that Sir Henry should return to London. A woman's whims, Dr. Watson. When you know me better, you understand that I cannot always give reasons for what I say or do. No, no, I remember the thrill of your voice. I remember the look in your eyes. Please, please be frank with me, Miss Stapleton. For ever since I've been here, I have been conscious of the shadows around me. Life has come like the great Grenton Meyer. The green patches everywhere in which one might sink, which went, which no guide to point or track. Tell me, then, what is it? Was it that? What was it that you meant? A promise to convey your warnings to Sir Henry, especially in in solution. Passed over an instant over face, then over eyes, and hardened again when she answered, "You are too 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 much of it, Watson." Says she, I know you were very much shocked by the death of Sir Charles. We knew very intimately, for his favourite walk was over the moor to our house. He was deeply impressed with the curse which hung over the family, and his tragedy came, I naturally felt that there must be some grounds for fears which he had expressed. I was distressed, therefore, when another member of the family came down to live here. I felt that he should be warned of the danger which he ruined. That was all which I intend to convey. But what about what is this? What is a danger? Do you know the story of the hound? Do not believe in such nonsense. But I do. Do you have any influence with Sir Chernery? Take him away from this place, for which which has always been fatal to his family. The world is wide. Why should he wish to live in a place of danger? Because it's a place of danger. It is Sir Henry's nature. I fear that unless you give him, give me more definite information, this could be impossible. It's impossible to get him to move. I don't see anything definite. Well, I do not know anything definite. I would ask you one more question, Miss Sabredon. You meant to know more than this when you first spoke to me. Why should you not wish your brother to overhear what he said? There is nothing to which he or else could hear. Object. My brother is very anxious to have the hall inhabited, but he thinks it would be for the good of the poor folk upon the money. But he would be very angry if he knew I have said anything which might induce Henry to go away. But I have done my duty now. I stay no more. I go back. Just go back. Or he would bless me to suspect I have been. I have seen you. Goodbye. She turned and disappeared a few minutes along the scattered borders. Why, I, with my soul full of vague fears, stood my way to Baskerville Hall. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.